0: Alright, let's stand up to our feet. We're going to make a declaration this morning. i I uh, request you to please stand up, hold your Bible in your hand and uh, say this out loud with me. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious prosperous triumphant i'm a minister of god a servant of christ and a channel of his blessing to many people i receive his word i believe his word and i live by his word christ is my master and to him i am in absolute surrender in jesus name amen god bless you You may be seated we're currently doing, uh, or in, we're doing a quick three part series on our identity. And we've entitled this uh, the series, ID Please. Uh, we uh, began this last Sunday. We've started talking about our, our, our identity. <clears throat> and just to quickly review what we, we said last Sunday, you know, all of us are in search of our identity. We try to discover, uh, or try to find answers to the question, who am I? And uh, we also said last Sunday that we either live from an identity or we live for an identity. And you know, if you're living from an identity, then what you do, you do because of who you are. The decisions you make, you make because of who you are. And what you pursue in life, what you want to accomplish in life, you do it not because to derive your identity, identity from it, but in order so that you can give full expression to your identity. On the other hand, if we are living for an identity that we hope to achieve, uh, you know, we are in a, in, a, in a stage where we are struggling with our own selves, and we hope that someday, when I become this particular thing, that I might receive my identity from it. And there are a lot of concerns living like that, because uh, along the journey, you're struggling with who you are. And that doesn't make us very happy people. We don't know who we are. And you may or may not achieve what you're trying to create as your identity. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. A couple of other things we said last Sunday is that what we do will tend to flow from whom we perceive ourselves to be. If you perceive yourself to be a man of integrity, a man of strength, then you begin to flow that way, you begin to behave that way. Uh, we also said that we tend to think about ourselves in the light of what we think others think about us in comparison to themselves. You know, if you think that somebody likes you, then you feel good about yourself. And if you think that somebody thinks that you're not good, then you tend to look down on yourself. And So we tend to do that, uh, which may not necessarily be the good way or the right way for us to derive our identity. And so having said all that, we began, we emphasized this key point that who you are in Christ is who you really are. Your identity must always be based on who you are in Christ. So let's say that together. Who I am in Christ is who I really am. Now let's say it like we really mean it, right? Who I am in Christ is who I really am. Right? So that's the key message, a key point that I want us to uh, just receive. And uh, we also pointed you to a publication that we have that's called Who We Are in Christ. It was printed back in 2005. Uh, so it's pretty dated. But it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty complete study on the, in, from the New Testament on, on scriptures that teach us about our identity in Christ. So it's well worth your time if you'd like to go back and review that and just refresh your understanding or maybe study, do a fresh study on who we are in Christ. But in these three-part series, we're just kind of giving us a, an overview of that. Last Sunday, we talked about our identity before God. You know, when we used the script, to 2 Corinthians five seventeen, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are a new creation, so you have a brand new identity in God. And your identity before God has changed. Your identity in the world has changed. And your identity before demonic forces has changed. Because of you being in Christ. The problem is many of us do not understand... Our new identity. And that's what this whole series is about. To awaken us to our new identity in Christ. The new creatures that we are in Christ. Last Sunday we talked about the fact that our identity before God has changed. The way God looks at you. He sees you as somebody who has been washed. Who has been sanctified. And who has been justified. You're washed. See you're not a sinner hiding behind the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has washed you clean. There is no sin. It's gone. It's been washed. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been justified, made just as if you never sinned. So you are loved. You're accepted. you have being qualified in Christ. This is all you are in the eyes of God. So when God looks at you, he doesn't look down at you. Of course, you know, you say heaven is up above. He's looking down. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But it doesn't look down on you in the sense of you being, you know, unfit to enter His presence. Because in Christ, you have boneless to enter into the holiest. You are fit to enter in the presence of God in Christ. Amen. This morning, I want to look at another aspect of, of our identity. We want to talk about our identity in the world. How do we relate to several different things that we face in the world? And the challenge for us is we must live out of our identity of who God has made us to be in Christ in this world if we are going to be the kind of people God wants us to be. On the contrary, many of us, you know, tend to, you know, look at our circumstances and let our circumstances dictate uh, who we are and, you know, what kind of an identity we maintain for ourselves and the kind of behavior that comes forth. And that's not necessarily the right way to live. The right way to live is to live out from within, from who you are in Christ as you move out, or as you go about in the world. Paul said this, we sing this song, you know, in Him we live and move and have our Being, meaning my whole existence here on earth doesn't come out of who I am in myself, but it comes out of in him I live and move and have my being. My life on earth comes out from him. Amen. So we want to talk about our identity in this world. How do we relate to things in this world from the vantage point of being in Christ? And uh, I just want to address some practical areas here. Number one is facing tough situations and failures in the world. Now, how do we, how do we face these things? You know, it is a given thing that in this world, you will have tribulation. Nobody is exempt from it. In this world, you will face challenges. You will have mountains. You will have some valleys. You will have some dark seasons of life. You will have some difficult circumstances to face. There will be failures. I mean, think back about all the exams you and I have written. You now, some I didn't pass, you know, <laughs> some might pass, but I could have done better. I think about all the games we played. And I was just thinking about, I was thinking about, you know, the day that, that one game I played, being the captain of my school, Cotton's, we were playing against Baldwin Boys, in Baldwin Boys School. I was a goalkeeper. I was the captain. And I left that one goal and we lost the match. Now, I could blame the weather for it because, the, you know, the ball was coming really high. The sun was in my eyes. I couldn't see the ball. But it was a goal and we lost the match. And I was the captain. And I was so, you know, so gone. So you can think of all the failures in life. You know, uh, we failed in games. I mean, sports or uh, whatever. You know, and, and as you grow up, you come into college, and, and and maybe you didn't do so well in your studies, and maybe you failed some exams, and, and then you go into your professional career, and uh, and and again in business, in life, we, all of us face failures. Nobody is exempt. There's nobody who can say, you know, I've had a perfect A all through my life. Nobody can say that. But how do you face failures? How do you face those challenges and? And uh, what should our response be when we face tough situations and challenges and experience failures in different areas of our life? I want to encourage us that no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how messy it is, no matter you know, how big of a failure it makes you look like, in any situation, live out of who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. Is who you really are, even in that situation. Now, what does the Bible say? And again, just picking up a couple of verses, you'll find a whole lot more in the publication there. You know, the Bible says, for example, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Then you are born of God. It's like God gave birth to you. You have God's genes. I don't know if God bears genes. Sorry, it's bad jokes, you know. Uh, But, you know, you have God's genes. You have the nature, the life and the nature of God in you. You're born of God. You're a partaker of divine nature. And then it says something about the people who are born of God. Verse 4, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Whoever is born of God overcomes the... Well, you are born of God. You are an overcomer. But I don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with your feeling. My situations don't make me look like an overcomer. It has nothing to do with your situations. I look at my marks marks card. It doesn't make me look like an overcomer. Look at my performance review. Look at what I have done or what I have not done. It doesn't make me look like an overcomer. Listen. You are born of God, and whoever is born of God overcomes the world. It has nothing to do with your circumstances, it has to do with who you are on the inside. Amen. So in any situation, learn to look at it from who you are on the inside. Who are you? You are in Christ. And in Christ, you are an overcomer. Because whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even of a faith. You've got faith in your heart. That's what makes you an overcomer. Circumstances will change. Trials will pass. Failures can be turned into sweet successes. You know, tragedies can be turned into triumphs. It, those things around you can change. But who you are on the inside, that identity is permanent in Christ. And you've got to live out of that. Amen? Think about the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says, Now, thanks be unto God, who always, not just in the mornings, not just in the afternoons, not just in the evenings, not just on Sundays, but who always causes us to triumph in Christ. See, because you're in Christ, God always causes you to triumph. And He makes manifest through you the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Now let that settle in your spirit. That I am in Christ, and because I am in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14 is a reality that God always causes me to triumph. You say, but pastor, you don't understand my situation. It's so bad. I mean, there is no way out. That's okay. 2 Corinthians 2.14 is not dependent on your circumstance. It is based on the fact that you are in Christ. Thanks be to God, who always... At all times, in every situation, in all circumstances, causes us. Meaning this is something God will make to happen for you. He causes us to triumph. So inside you, you carry that in your spirit. This is how I will face the situations of this world. I will face it with a triumph in my spirit. I will face it with the spirit of a conqueror. Because no matter how bad it may seem, the Bible says, God will cause me to triumph in Christ. That's how you face it. Amen? Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This is God's dream for you and me. It says, you know, but uh, those of us who have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through Christ Jesus. That's God's intent. For you to reign in life. To have rulership in life. To exercise authority, dominion in life. Not just in heaven, not when you get to heaven, in life. You are a recipient of God's abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. And he said, you will reign in life. So you should begin to engage your situations, engage your circumstances, saying, I will reign in life. Because I'm a recipient of God's abundant grace and of the gift of righteousness. That's God's intent. But you know, many of us settle for second best, third best, fourth best, or no best at all. Says, so, okay, whatever life gives me, gives me. No, no, no! Don't live like that. Live out of your identity. Live of what God's intent for you is. God's intent is that you, who are, to whom He has given the gift of righteousness and this abundance of grace, He's done it so that you could reign in life. So when you face your situations, you face your circumstances, you face difficult things. So you know I'm going to be a winner. You know, just this past week in business, uh, we had a failure, and it's very sad. But I had to admit, you know, we couldn't deliver something that we promised one of our customers. And there was a failure. But that doesn't mean I come Sunday morning and say, all of you, please pray for me. You know, I failed in one particular project. No. I know who I am in Christ. Yes, we had a failure. But that's okay. We can. We are more than conquerors. I'm an overcomer. It's not the end. One failure does not make me a total failure. I'll never be a total failure. Because God will always cause me to triumph. So did I have a failure? I had one last week in business one project we couldn't deliver we couldn't meet the expectations of our customers so what doesn't make me a failure in life amen i can still stand up and preach you know, some people say pastor you know uh, how do you preach you know i can tell you that most sundays things are not going well with me i mean life's been tough but i still come and preach why because i do it out of who i am in christ not because of my circumstances amen in fact, the times when everything is like going so peacefully is very rare. Maybe when I'm on vacation or something, even then, you know. <laughs> but most of the time, it's not like that. Most of the time, there are challenges. There are, you know, mountains you're facing, devils you're chasing, all kinds of things happening. But that doesn't hold me down. Why? Because I live out of my spirit. In Him, I live and have, move and have my being. And you've got to do the same thing. Amen. Romans 8.28, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, that God has made Christ to be unto us wisdom from God. So in a difficult situation, You don't have to get perplexed. You don't have to get confused. Don't give up. You say, God, I know this circumstance that I'm facing is something brand new. I don't know how to come out of it. But one thing I do know, that Christ has been made unto me wisdom. The wisdom of God is available to me. I have access to Christ, who is the wisdom of God. So God, give me wisdom as I face this situation. Show me how to work through it, come out of it, triumph over it, whatever. The wisdom of God is for you in Christ. So when you face difficult situations, tap into the wisdom of God. Wisdom will find the answer. Amen. That's how you face difficult situations. Tap into what you have in Christ. In Christ you have the wisdom of God. And and here's another very generic scripture, Romans 8.28. It says, you know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So you're facing situations. say, God, I don't know what to do. Well, one thing I do know I do know that all things will work together for good. That's one thing that's settled. It's not for me to figure out how it's going to work out together for my good. One thing I do know, it will work out for my good. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. But this confidence I do have that all things will work together for good to those who love God. So when you face circumstances, situations, challenges, tragedies, trials, failures, all that life throws at you, you can face it being more than a conqueror. Having in you the spirit of a winner, a triumphant spirit, not something that goes down. Now, yes, there are some days, you know, you just need to encourage yourself. Like David said, why art thou go cast down on my soul? You You know, I mean, some of us might need to do that, but that's okay. Just encourage yourself and say, you know, come on, I am a conqueror. I'm born of God. I'm an overcomer. God always causes me to triumph. Amen? You live out of your identity in Christ. Number two. The second area that we like to address is how do you face sin and temptation in the world? You know, if you're a student, in your classroom, everything around you could be really bad. You know, I was just driving back with a guy who came to our north church. He was sitting with me. He was a visitor. He was sitting with me. He's moved here from Chennai. So he just talking to me. He said, you know, I'm in this hostel. I've been sent here for training for nine months. I'm in this hostel. And you know in my room, all the guys, they only talk about three things. They talk about movies, they talk about girls, and they talk about, I forgot the third thing. I said, this is the only thing they talk about. And he's this Christian guy in that. So I'm finding it so hard. Because all they do is talk about these things. And so you know, wherever you are, it's not going to change. You go to the workplace, it's the same thing. You know, wherever you go, you will find sin, you will find temptation, you'll find all these things around you. How do you live out of our identity uh, and face these things? If you look at sin and look at temptation uh, saying, you know, you know what? I'm going to fall. It's very likely you're going to fall. But if you look at sin and temptation and say, you know, I know who I am in Christ. And I'm not meaning this in an arrogant way, but I'm meaning it in a way that you understand who you are in Christ and what God has done for you. Then you can overcome sin. Look at some scriptures here, very, I'm, just, I'm just speaking a few. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, there's this whole understanding of our identification in Christ. Which is very important for us to understand. And Romans chapter 6 verse 6, there's one scripture that kind of really puts this in a nutshell. It says this, knowing this, that means you need to know this. So tell your neighbor, you need to know this. Knowing this, what? Romans 6 verse 6. Knowing this, many people don't know this and that's why they get a lot of problems. So you need to know this. Knowing this, that our old man. Tell your neighbor, it's my old man. Knowing this, our old man has been crucified with him. Your old man's been crucified. Okay? The old man is an old English word, meaning your old sinful nature. Okay, don't think about your dad or your granddad, right? Your old man meaning your old sinful nature all that was inside you all your sinful tendencies knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that I means all in the mind of god this is a done deal he's saying you know what i took all your sinful nature all that stuff in you that garbage in you that wanted that made you sin and i nailed it to the cross As far as God's concerned, that old man inside you is dead. Just that you don't know it. So Paul is saying, know this. That our old man was crucified with him. For what? So that the body of sin might be destroyed. Or some versions say that the power of sin might be destroyed. Do you know that as far as God is concerned, he has nailed your old man to the cross and he has destroyed the power of sin in your life. As God is concerned, he's done it for you. So we're saying, oh God, take out the sinful nature from me. God said, my child, I took it out. No, don't you know this? When it happened? Happened on the cross. Knowing this. That our old man, that sinful nature, all those tendencies in you, have been nailed to the cross. That the body of sin, the power of sin might be destroyed. What's the consequence? That we no longer should serve sin. You don't have to serve sin. If you don't want to. If you want to, God bless you. God may not bless you, but (laughs) but you don't have to. Why? Because Romans 6 says that your old man's been destroyed. That the power of sin might be broken. That we no longer have to serve sin. So how do you face sin in the world? How do you face temptation? Romans 6:14. verse 14 says this. Sin will not have dominion over you. Say this with me. Sin will not have dominion over me. It's in the Bible, Romans 6.14. Sin will not have dominion over you because you're not under law, but you're under grace. And in grace, the work's been done. In law, you're trying to do it. In grace, it's already done. Big difference. If you're under law, you're trying to work your way out of sin. You're under grace, God worked the way out. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. It's done. That's called grace. You don't do it, somebody else does it, but you enjoy the benefits of it. That's grace. You're no longer under law. You're under grace. The work's done. So what? Sin will not have dominion over you. So when you face sin and temptation in this world, how do you face it? Don't approach it like, you know, my friend Johnny, he's a drug addict. My friend Sammy, hope nobody says oh Johnny, no Sammy, you okay. My friend Sammy, he also is a drug addict. My, you know, and all these people, so I'm next in line, I also will go. You don't have to. You don't have to. Amen? You've got to face sin with that understanding that sin will not have dominion over you. There is no sin, no habit, nothing in this world that can have dominion over you because God took care of it on the cross of Jesus. It's up to you now if you want to know it and live by it. Or if you want to yield your members as instruments to unrighteousness, that's your choice. But you can choose to yield Your members as instruments of righteousness. What is freedom? Freedom is having the ability to choose what is right. Sometimes people think freedom is like, you know, I can do what I want. That's not freedom because when you do what you want, many times you're doing what you're controlled by something. But freedom, real freedom is your ability to know what's right and to do it. You're really free then. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Let's let me not run through the other verses here. Titus two fourteen says this, that Christ came that He might redeem us from every lawless deed. See, you've been redeemed from every lawless deed. doesn't matter what it is in the world. You're redeemed from it. He already took care of it. He redeemed us from every lawless deed. There's no lawless deed, no sinful thing that should dominate you. So when you face sin in the world, face it as somebody who has the capacity to overcome don't think of it like, you know, I'm going to fall. Everybody else has fallen. I'm also going to fall. No, you don't have to. Let's go quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and verse 13. Verse 2 says this, that we are sanctified. In Christ Jesus. And verse 30 says that God has made Christ to be unto us sanctification. In Christ I am sanctified. Meaning set apart made holy. Christ is become to me my sanctification. You know Christ is my sanctifier. He is the one who empowers me to live holy here on earth. So when I face temptation... I call upon Christ who is my sanctifier. I call upon the one who sanctifies me. I said, Jesus, you are my sanctifier. You are the one who makes me holy in this deal. You are the one who keeps me holy here. You are my sanctification. And he's well able to help me to that. Now, this does not mean that we walk with pride and arrogance because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten, twelve: let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You've got to be careful. You've got to be watchful. You've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant because your adversary like a roaring lion walks about, seeking whom he may devour. So it's not here to make us arrogant, but it's here to let us know that we can overcome sin and we have to walk cautiously. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So you walk carefully, but knowing that you can overcome sin. You guard your mind, crucify your body, live victoriously over sin. Amen? Let me just move on to another another area of life. How do we face other people? You know, in life, I think all of us struggle with these issues. You know, there will always be somebody who's better than you. Have you noticed that in life, there's always somebody who's better than you? There's somebody who's smarter than you. There's somebody who's more influential than you. There's somebody who's more wealthy than you. There's somebody, you know, who's just better than you. You'll always find somebody who can sing better than you. You know, whatever. And when we come into the presence of such people, what happens? We struggle, many of us struggle with feelings of insecurity. We struggle with our own self-image. We tend to feel inferior to people when we come into their presence. But what I want to encourage us is that no matter who you face, learn to look at them and learn to enter into those situations based on who you are in Christ. Amen? Now, if you look at yourself and you say, you know, look at me, look at them. They're so much better, so much this, this. And you tend to feel inferior, to feel insecure. Yeah, we struggle with a poor self-image and, and all these things. But then when you look at what you do have in Christ, you can face anybody. Is that right? Now, you know, all these things the Bible talks about what we have in Christ. It's either true or it's a big lie. I think it's true. And if it is true, then let's live like it is true. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God has blessed you. With all spiritual blessings, Amen. Now, is it true? Are you sure? I mean, I absolutely sure. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So when I meet somebody who, in the natural, may be more blessed, and there are definitely many, many, many people who are more blessed than me in the natural, whatever way you want to measure it, you know, I don't have to feel inferior. I don't have to feel like, oh, oh, poor me. No, I say, let me live out of who I am in the spirit. In the spirit. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing by the creator of this universe, by God my Father. Amen. I may not have as much in the natural, but it doesn't matter because the spiritual is as real, definitely more real than the natural. And in the real realm, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Amen to live out of that identity that you have in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1:20 says, in him, in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen for us. All the promises of God. What do you have in Christ? All the promises of God. It's better than the biggest will that could be written by any person and left for you as an inheritance. All the promises of God. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 17 says this. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with. I mean, is that verse real? Yes or no? You know, you meet somebody and they say, you know, I am the son of king so and so. Great grandson of, you know, so and so. I'm an heir to this big empire. You feel, oh man. Now in the natural, you tend to feel that way. What does the Bible say? You are an heir of God is that real and you're a joint heir with Christ is that real let's live like it you can still hold your head up high so yeah I may not be wearing all these fancy clothes and all that stuff but hey in the spirit in Christ I am an heir of God and I'm a joint heir with Christ so I can stand tall hold my head up high face anybody I don't know how to feel inferior insecure or carry a walk around with a poor self-image if I'm living out of my identity in Christ. Amen? Another area that we need to talk about is about how we relate to people in the, in the body of Christ. Let me say a few things on that. As we live out of our identity, relating to other believers. A couple of things here. We must learn to embrace one another regardless of our backgrounds. You know, Galatians 3.28 says, "For In Christ, you know, for, there is neither Greek nor Jew. Neither bond nor slave. But we are all, neither male nor female. But we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one. Regardless of our you know, social background, our cultural background, our racial background, language. I mean, those things don't matter. In Christ we are one. And so we need to live that out, you know. Unfortunately, even in the church, even among believers, we have these unspoken classifications. Oh, we are all Malus, you know, and uh, we are all, uh, you know, Kanadigas. And I, I'm—I tell I tell people I'm totally hybrid, you know. So it's okay for me. Like I'm total mix, you know. So if somebody comes from the north, you know, and they ask me where are you from, I say, you know, uh, uh, my my grandfather's from Rajasthan, and it's true. My grandmother, sorry, you know. So if they're from the north, I, I talk about my northern heritage. You know, I say my grandmother came from Rajasthan. You know, I have Rajput blood in me. Uh, my father was born in Rajasthan. And Nasirabad is our hometown. I've been there, and I kind of just been there only once. You know. <laughs> and uh, you know, I talk about that. Then if I meet somebody from Karnataka, Kanat- i you know, say. Oh, where are you from? And I talk about my Connecticut heritage. And I say, okay, my, my grandfather came, you know, my great-grandfather came from Raichu. That's how I got it, the name Raichu, you know. And then if somebody comes from Tamil Nadu, they say, yeah, 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 my mother's from Tamil Nadu, you know. My, my, I was born in Chennai, and my mother's from Tamil Nadu. And it's like, so I just got to relate to everyone. Coming back to Galatians 3.28. <laughs> it doesn't matter what people's background is. We've got to embrace everyone in Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter. So what if you speak a different language? So what if you have a different culture, different customs, different race? Doesn't matter. The Bible says, "In Christ we are one." You know, Paul made this amazing statement in Second Corinthians five, verse seventeen and eighteen. In verse seventeen is the verse that we are all family of it. Paul said, "You know, if any man is in Christ, we are all new creatures." And he goes right on to say in verse eighteen, "Therefore, henceforth we know no man according to the flesh." You know what? Because we're all in Christ. I don't look at you as who you are in the natural. I don't relate to you as who you are in the natural. I relate to you as who you are in Christ. Hence what we know man, no man after the flesh. I don't look at you as who you are in the natural. I look at you as who you are in Christ. You're a believer. Doesn't matter whether you are, you know, from the north or the south or the middle or from nowhere. Doesn't matter. You're in Christ. That's what matters. We're all one. And we need to get rid of any of those kinds of walls. And I, and it, and I need to thank God that at least in, in, in our congregation we don't have too many of them. I don't, I don't see too, you know, those, those kinds of walls. But we need to be careful not to allow those walls to come up. Amen? And, and maybe it's for a reason somebody called us all people's church. You know? So, it's, it's for all people. And Romans 12 verse 5, the other aspect of us in Christ is this, that you know, we must learn to embrace one another's unique giftedness. In Christ... Romans 12.5 says that, you know, there are different areas of grace and different gifts given to us. So in the body, we are one body in Christ, but God has gifted and anointed people very differently in the same body. So we must be careful to recognize that this is God's doing. Therefore, there is no need for any competition. Therefore, there is no need for any jealousy. Amen. It's God who did it. God's God who gifted different people differently. But He made us all one body. We must be careful not to allow any division to come into the body just based on different giftedness and anointings and all of that nature. You know, Paul addressed this in the Corinthian church, you know. Some of them said, you know, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Apollos. It's like today people saying, you know, I am of Joyce Meyer. I am of, you know, Ravi Zacharias. Who cares? Who cares? As Paul said, we are one. Neither is he who sows anything, neither is he who waters anything. I mean, these guys don't matter. I mean, they do matter. (laughs) But the point is, you as a believer do not derive your identity from Joyce Meyer or ABC. You derive your identity in Christ. And thank God for every minister, every gift that he's placed. But I'm not following Paul. I'm not following Apollos. I'm not following, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm following Jesus. How about you? And Paul goes on in First Corinthians. He goes on to chapter 4. He says, you know, it is because we exalt one up against the other, we bring division into the body. The moment we exalt an individual because of their giftedness, because of their anointing, we are guilty of dividing the body of Christ. We are not afraid of people who are more bigger and better than us and... But our biggest challenge is in accepting ourselves. So what do you mean? Maybe you don't love yourself. So why? There could be so many reasons. Maybe, you know, you, you, you don't like yourself because of your upbringing. You, you know, you were brought up in a very bad home, mistreated, ill-treated. And so you, you just hate the fact that I didn't have a good childhood. Or maybe you made some really big mistakes in life and you hate yourself for it. And you can't forgive yourself for those mistakes or maybe you did not do things you know you were supposed to do but time is gone now it's too late and you can't forgive yourself for the fact that you've failed to seize opportunities that came your way i mean there could be something different reasons why you're struggling to accept yourself for some of us it could be silly things like i'm not as tall as that person you know too bad can't do anything about it i mean try to grow tall you know how huh? But there's some things you can't change. I'm not as tall as him or her. I'm not like, you know, as smart as him or her. Whatever. There's so many different reasons why you struggle, why we struggle, to accept ourselves. And I believe one of the greatest remedies for that is to stop focusing on yourself as who you are in the natural. And begin to embrace who you are in Christ. But this is so important because if you cannot love yourself, you cannot love your neighbor. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. People who are very violent are people who really hate themselves. They hate themselves without they hate everybody else around them. So how can there be self-acceptance? How can I learn to accept myself? Well, there are some things in life you can never change. You can never go back and change your childhood. You can never go back and change some mistakes that have been made. You can never go back and change some opportunities that have been lost. They're gone with time. One thing you can do. Is to begin to celebrate who you are in Christ. You can't do that. And who you are in Christ is a reality. A couple of things. Who you are. Ephesians 4.24 says that you are in Him. You are in the image of God. Now, that's something to celebrate. In the natural. You may not like the image you see in the mirror. For whatever reason. But in the spiritual. You are in the image of God. Celebrate that. God, I thank you. That in my spirit, I am in your image. And there's no flaw in that image. There's absolute, there's there's total beauty. There's total glory. There's total splendor in that image. You can celebrate that. Amen. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 tells us that in him, we are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. In Him dwells the fullness of the God bodily. And we are complete in Him. Or well, the Amplified Bible says, We are filled with all His fullness. So you know in your spirit, all that is in Him is now coming in you. That's who you are in the spirit. You can celebrate that. His fullness is in me. All the beauty that's in Him is now in me. Because, and that's what makes me complete in Him. You can celebrate that identity that you have. And begin to embrace and say, God, I thank you. This is who I am in the spirit. I am complete in him. And Romans eight thirty five to 39, a passage that all of us know very well. It says, you know, for we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You know, neither height, nor depth, nor persecution, nor trial, nor famine, or tribulation, nakedness, nor sword. Nothing can separate me from the love that God has for me in Christ. So you say, you know, I made my biggest mistake yesterday. God still loves you. He still loves you. Nothing can separate. Your mistake will not separate the love that He has for you. You say, you know, uh, yesterday was my worst day. Whatever. I made, you know, I did this, I did that. I failed. I do you know, all of those things. Listen, nothing will separate you from the love that God has for you in Christ. You are still loved by God. Therefore, you can love yourself. God loves you. If God loves you, you have a good reason to love yourself. Accept yourself. Amen? So I want to remind you as we get ready to close. That your identity never changes. Put your thumb up, left hand, whatever hand. This, your fingerprint is your identity. Your fingerprint never changes. Your identity never changes. Amen? Whether it's the morning, whether it's the afternoon, whether it's the evening. Whether everything is going good, everything is going just totally bad. Who you are in Christ does not change. Your identity never changes. It's not based on your circumstance. Amen? Amen? Do not allow a thought in your mind about your circumstance that is not in His mind about your circumstance. Amen? God's not going to look at your circumstance and say, Oh boy, you've got yourself in a big mess and even I can't figure out how to get you out of it. I don't think God's going to look at you and say that. So never allow a thought in your mind about your circumstance which God will not have in His mind about your circumstance because you're in Him. And in Him you live and move and have your being. Amen? The more we affirm who we are in Christ, the more our behavior will begin to reflect our true identity. Continue to affirm who you are in Christ. I want us to pray together before we close. And oh, As you're standing here this morning, I want you to respond to the Word of God. I want you to just picture your circumstance, your situation, your world, your life. And begin to look at it, begin to speak to it. From who you are in Christ. Father I pray that the spirit of the Lord. Will move even now in this place. Oh God. Dealing with our innermost beings. Changing us on the inside. Breaking Lord. Long term burdens. Long term yokes. That have been placed upon our lives. Misplaced. Confused identities. Broken off Lord. And let let each one begin to. Lay a hold of this truth of who we are in Christ. Begin to live out of that. Begin to face the world. Begin to face our circumstances. Begin to face people. Begin to face a sin and temptation. and Begin to face all these things out of who we are in Christ. Thank you, O oh God. If there are people here this morning, and maybe as a child growing up, you've, you've been abused by your own parents and that's left a scar on you. And I just want to release to you the fact that there's a Father in heaven who loves you. And even now, I just want you to embrace the healing touch of Jesus upon your heart, upon your mind, your emotions. Just to bring healing to you this very moment. And release you from the negatives of that abuse that you faced. Just to release you from that. As a child. Father, I just thank you for just doing this in this place this morning. Thank you, o God. We thank you and we bless you. Father, we just pray that every person will be so built up in you, so strong in you, that we live confidently, we will live victoriously in this world. No matter what we face, we know that you will always cause us to triumph. And we thank you, O God. We thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up His countenance on you, and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcw.o.org. Also, visit our website www.apcw.o.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.